Hello, hello, everybody. Kim here, your local minister and rabbi of Sacred Elohim, Diamond Light and Pearl Ministries here. And we are doing our first section for part two, month two, the mystery of the Shemitah and the five keys. So our first one is the first key, the seventh year. Uh, we, as the weeks go on, we will be discussing our second, third, fourth, and fifth key. Uh, but tonight's is, as I said, on the Shemitah. Uh, David, Jonathan Kahn. So our first outline is the first key, the seventh year. The man on the mountain. Who is a man on the mountain that is, that is discussed in the book? The mystery begins in the middle of the eastern desert. Middle eastern desert. An aged man ascends a mountain. The old man reached the mountain's peak and entered into the mist of a thick cloud. So what was that thick cloud? Within the cloud, he is given a revelation. This man was named Moshe or Moses. Uh, the revelation given to him will be the commandments or God's law. Uh, he has also created a priesthood, a meshika, or a temple, sacrifices, and the law of the Sabbath and holy days. So this is where we get the Shemitah from. Uh, uh, this was all given, given rise to the Shemitah, as explained. So now we're going to go into the Sabbath years. This is well known by the nation of Israel. Every seventh day was and is called a Shabbat or Sabbath. This day was to be kept separate and distinct from other the other six days of the week. So the seventh day that goes from Friday evening into Saturday evening was to be distinct. This day is a holy day unto the Lord or the day of the Lord set aside for worship, Bible reading, um, meditation, so forth, on the Lord. This was a day the Lord rested. Uh, he stopped his work in reverence. Shabbat is a day of rest to be solely for the Lord. Not all was known. Not only is Shabbat a day, but also a year. So think about that. A Shemitah also pertains to a year. So every seven years you had a Shabbat, and every seven days you had a Shabbat. So don't get the two in a difference. This will explain where the Shemitah comes in and what it is. Alrighty. Uh, not, um, it was also a seven year. Every seven years there was a Shabbat year. In Leviticus 25, 1-4 we see this. The Lord spoke to Moshe on the Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come to the land, shall keep, uh, when you come to the land which I give you, then the land shall, then the land shall keep a Shabbat to the Lord. Six years shall you sow your fields, and six years shall you prune your vineyards and gather its fruit. But on the seventh year, there shall be a Shabbat of Shalom, a rest for the land, a Shabbat to the Lord. So not only was there seven days, they were seven years, and on the seventh jubilee, then you rested. Uh, the Shabbat year is to likewise be kept separate and distinct from the six years that preceded it. This is a holy year, a year devoted to the Lord. During this year, no work was to be done on the land, or there was no work to be done, period. Not, no trading, no nothing. 
Okay. We see this in Exodus 23, 10 through 11. Six years you shall sow your land and gather its produce. But on the seventh year you shall let the land rest and lie follow, meaning do not till it. Here we see in the Shabbat year, no work was done to be done on the land. It was to rest. Every, every, even this was to be left unattended and unkept. The land was to rest. So we see that it was not to be tended. It was not to be furrowed. There was not to be anything done to the land in any way that would uh, hamper the contents of the land. So we got to go back and look at that. Um, it is a preceding. It is a commandment of God that this Shabbat be done wisely. Exodus 23.11 refers to the other part. It says, That the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do what your vineyards and your olive groves. So, in other words, it was supposed to be given back to the poor and back to the mammals to eat. It was not supposed to be tilled, and whatever was left on the land was supposed to be for the poor and so forth. Um, we see during the Shabbat year that the Israel Israel's people was to leave everything to the poor. Mm -hmm. The land belonged to everyone, and they would take as they wished. The the belonged to everyone and no one at some time. This is called a kefer, meaning without an owner. So the land had no owner. The only owner of that land was God himself. Now, here's what ties the Shemitah to the year of Jubilee or the seven-year cycle. Iul 29. What is a Iul 29? An Iul as it explains, just as striking was, striking was what happened to the land during the Shabbat year. And we see this in Deuteronomy 15, 1 and 2. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is, is the former of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called called the Lord's release. So an Eul 29 was a day of release. It was the end of a six-year cycle going into a seventh year. It was the end of the seventh year cycle going into the eighth. It was a year of release, a year of rest, a year of total nothingness done. Okay, at the end of every seven years, referred to the last day of the Shabbat year. Eul was the last month of the Hebrew civil year. Okay, Eul 29 is the last day of Eul. So Eul 29 is the very last day of the Shabbat year. The Eul can sweep, came sweeping transformations took place in the nation's financial realms. So Eul determined. Eul determined whether they would prosper or whether they would not have anything for the next year. If it was done correctly, God blessed them. If it was done wrong, God cursed them. So look at that. Okay. Eul erased all debts and wiped it out or wiped clean. 
It means to clean. Okay. The Hebrew reckoning or the reckoning of time is different than our own. Every day begins not in the morning, okay, but with night. This is seen in Genesis 1 of creation, in the creation count. The Hebrew Hebrew starts at night before day. Night begins with sundown. So when you think of a Shabbat or Sabbath, they begin Friday evening and it goes into Saturday evening the next morning. This would also apply to Jesus' crucifixion, the three days, and then he rose. So you would take it back, okay? If he was crucified before Passover, okay, then you would say Saturday, back to Friday, back to whatever, and that would count your three days that the crucifixion was done. Okay, all deaths had to be reckoned as wiped out at sunset of Eul. So if there was any debts, they had to be totally um, wiped out, forgiven, is basically what it means. Um, let's see, the remission. Eel 29 commands ordinances that every creditor shall grant a release. The original Hebrew commandment, even every creditor, to make a Shemitah. Shemitah means release. The first two verses of Deuteronomy 15, the word Shemitah appears no less than four times. At the end of the second verse, it is written because it is called the Lord's release in Hebrew or called the Lord's Shemitah or Shemitah. Shemitah translates translates to release or remission, the cancellation or reduction of a debt or penalty. So think about when Christ went on the cross. What was our penalties and debts that we owed him? In forgiveness, the Father released us of those because we believe on him through the crucifixion. We also have a remission of sins. They're not remembered no more. All right. So let's go in and finish this up. We've got about four to five minutes left. A Shemitah was not only a release of the land, but also a nullification of debts and credits ordained by Yahuwah or God. So if someone owe, you owe someone or even you owed a debt to someone else, that collector had to let go of that debt and forgive you. If you bought land, it was returned to its owner. If that owner sold you land, it went back to them. If you sold land to someone else, it came back to you. That was how it worked. Uh. <clears throat> this was a massive national-wide scale. So you had individually seven days you rested after six days. But the Shemitah or the year of rest and the EU was a national holiday. Therefore, it affected you nationally and internationally. The Shemitah was named, was named the last day of the Shabbat year Eel 29, the day of remissions. You also had where you had to practice the remission of sin. Okay, so Shemitah covers the seven years ending the last day of the year, Eel 29. So we are going to look at the ramifications and we've only got the call of the Shemitah and then the puzzle and then we're done with this section. The next week we will be looking at 
Let's see. We will be looking at the second key, the 586 BCE, and the judgment sign. What was the sign under these? So now we talked about the remission. We're going to look at the radical ramifications. The idea of a nation ceasing all work on its land for an entire year is a radical proposition. No less radical is the idea of a day in which all credit and debts are wiped away. The Jewish people tried to find ways around, but still observed it. In other words, they tried to find ways of getting around the same problem. They thought it was a problem. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to honor God. They didn't want to listen to God. So they tried to find ways around it that benefited them. Okay. But over time, the Shemitah became symbolic in their eyes. They didn't actually honor it. It became a symbolism for something else. Okay. But not keeping... God's rules, there are consequences. Number one, the Shemitah bears a specific effect on financial and economic realms. And two, the Shemitah to affect similarly the economic and financial collapse of nations. There we go. So if a nation doesn't honor the Jewish holiday or they do not honor God's commandments and obey him like he wants them to, then they hurt themselves in the long run. So now we're going to go look at the call of the Shemitah. What is the call of the Shemitah? Okay. What was the reason for the Shemitah in the first place? There are several answers, all touch on spiritual realms. So the Shemitah is more so spiritual than physical. So we're going to look at that right here uh, the next few minutes before we cut at the top of the hour. The land belonged to God. Mm, sound familiar? Does our land belong to the Lord? Mm, there's a question to look at. The life of all life, the life of all belong to God. Think about that. And we've done several things in our past that brings judgment. It was a reminder of God is the source of all things. Hmm. I wonder where that ties in with coronavirus. Is he judging us right now with coronavirus? Or is it just a happenstance? Okay. The final and fourth one. To observe it, it is an act of submission and humility to God. So think about, if you observe something in your life that he commands you to do, is it a remission and submission to humility, to him, and respect. All right, I'm going to leave that food for thought, and I'm going to cut you at the top of the hour, and we'll be back in about 10 minutes. All righty, all righty, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to our second half. We have another 15 minutes. We'll be discussing the Shemitah, the mystery of the Shemitah, Okay, and we left off with the call. We went over the five principles of the call, and now we're going into the first puzzle piece. So the puzzle pieces of the Shemitah are, the Shemitah is to year as a Shabbat is to a day. Takes place once every year, uh, unique and distinct from 
the other six years that precede it. Year of, of secession, release, and rest. The cease of what has not ceased up to the time of its coming. So remember that. Touches specifically on the final, final financial and economic realms. Leads a built up to the climatic final day, Eul 29, the day of remission, the day of nullification. On Eul, all debts are canceled and all credit released, and the nation's financial accounting are transformed and wiped clean. Okay, the Shemitah is, is sweeping, radical, and extensive and extreme. Its effect and consequences and repercussions bear key similarities to that of the financial and economic collapse. So if you don't honor this, it will bear symbolicity. So next week we will be discussing week two. And I'm going to enlighten on week two from the book. We will be discussing the second key of 586 BC and the judgment sign. Okay, so let's go in here and look. The second key of 586 BCE and the judgment sign will be talking about the prophet in the runes. The prophetic in the runes of the prophet. The mystery of the seven years, as long as she lay desolate. Who's the she? The Torah clue, the covenant sign, the broken Shemitah, the Shemitah and the fall of a nation. Ooh, that sounds interesting. The Shemitah's judgment, the Shemitah's desolation, the seven-year Sabbath, and the Shemitah and the world history. So these will be enlightening coverings. So we have finished up month two, week one of the Shemitah. So now we are going to go into our first devotional for the hour. And before I do this, I am going to give you a little word of the wise. Now, right now, Impact Church is not actually having, they're having services, but they're only having them on Sundays. They hold their meetings online uh, for Thursday. You can contact David Amos um, through Facebook or Instagram. Um, I do invite you when we do redo our things Right now, you can go to impact at facebook.com for their live sessions Sunday at 11 a.m. Their address is 2319 South 6th Street, Arnton, Ohio. You can find them on Facebook, I said, or Instagram. If you want their live Sunday services coming up the, tomorrow or actually today, it'd be at 11 a.m. Um, they're offering it for those that have churches that are not attending services right now. He's offering it until the corona epidemic is over with. Um, again, I will tell you, Sunday at 11 a.m. and then Thursday evenings around 8 o'clock online. Um, they normally have life groups at 6, but he's moved it up because he's doing it online. But he has limited spaces. About only 8 spaces can be given for the meetings. So I encourage you if you know somebody from the church or you want to get involved, contact those people and then come and take care of whatever is needed. If you want to be in life groups, let them know. 
And you can contact me for the general information at starcross at gmail.com. Again, I repeat, starcross2013 at gmail.com. So now we are going into our devotional series, Ladies, Letting Go and Trusting in God. So let's see. We went over last week uh, bundles of decisions. This week is Never Fails. So our verse for the day is from Psalms 48, 14. For this God is our God forever and ever he shall be over, be our guide, even to the ends of the world. So in this, the choices made, some choices are lifelong, a day, a week, or a few minutes. But think of those choices. Where do we live? What do we do? What kind of job we're going to have? Are we going to marry? Are we going to stay single? These are important things. All choices leave a lasting impact when God is in them to guide us. Through it all, God is our long life guide. Put that to wisdom. God's God's wisdom, we all never fail in his wisdom. So if we keep on his wisdom, guided and sure, we will know. Now, I'm going to read our devotion another devotional yes or no what's a yes or no let's see what matthew 5 34 and 7 says but i say to you do not swear to all neither by heaven for it is god's throne but let your yes be a yes and a no be a no for whatever is more than this is is that from the evil one okay so how does this play in decision making Okay, making promises we do not honor. Take take every promise seriously. Let life get in. Don't let life get in the way of these promises, or try to shrug shrug off your comments. Or do not rearrange these things. We try to get out of it by rearranging them. Don't rearrange them. If you make a promise and you can't keep it, Don't keep it. Don't make the promise. Say yes for yes, no for no. Just don't make a promise. In Jesus' day, Jews took keeping vows seriously, even to the point of bringing them to God. Okay. They thought of them as a spiritual significance. Okay. And we should do the same. They did not play verbal games. We see this in Deuteronomy 23, 23, where it talks about making promises. As believers, we are to act and reflect on God. We should honor our bonds to one another. We need to follow through in Jesus' name. So if you make a promise, keep it. If you tell somebody you have something and you're going to lend it to them, lend it. If you can't get it to them that week, then at least try to get it to them. All right. So... Again, we we were looking at letting go and trusting in God. All right. So now it's our teen and tween time. Living in the light. All right. So kitty, kitty, kitties, gather around. We are going to do our devotional for this week. Uh, Let's see here. All right. Here we go. The promise of the presence. In Genesis 28, 15, we read, Behold, I am with you and will keep you 
wherever you go and bring will bring you back to the land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you this was God's promise this passage in Genesis is an example of what may refer to as divine interruption in this chapter Jacob was forced to leave his homeland after his brothers wanted to kill him but right in the midst of his trouble he received a comforting promise from God as we study this sacred text day by day, I will I find myself giving special attention to God's promises. When someone gets to the very bottom of God's truth, I find no greater promise than that of God's presence. I am with you at the end of the day. God's greatest gift is himself. His presence is so reassuring, comforting, and overwhelming and glorious. Often, my schedule takes me to distant places, but it comforts me to know he is with me and he protects me. Jacob enjoyed God's presence throughout his journey away from home. Similar to Jacob, you must have a have to leave the land of promise, but you won't lose the Lord's presence. Regardless of where you are today and whatever your needs are, his presence is enough. The promise of God's presence also brings the promise of protection. He will keep you wherever you go. You will never need to fear because God will keep you safe on your life's journey. And he has a little prayer for you, Lord. You are as close as mere mention of your name. And amen. So our next verse of the day, we will read from our teens and tweens section is singing a song to the Lord. So we see in Exodus 15, 2, the, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you ever sing to the Lord? Have you ever meditated, been meditating on a passage or unannounced you're, you begin to sing the text to the Lord. My wife often accuses me of making up words to songs I sing. But the truth is, I sing new songs. Scripture has inspired. I can hear her now saying, leave the song singing to the singers. But I often respond, you don't have to be a good singer to sing. You need only a song. Exodus 15, Exodus 15, 1 through 18 is the song Moses sang after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. The, the song contained four status and one close line. Each of the first three status powerfully described God's victory over the Egyptians. The four stata celebrated the Lord's leadership and how his power instilled the fear in the enemy of the Israelis. The, close li the closing line, the summarizing one of great thought, our Lord reigns. Surely the centerpiece of worship is God alone. As you sing songs of praise to the Lord, may you never forget his mighty power and love. Just as he protects the Israelites from the Egyptians, he will showcase his power in your life. Sing songs of praise to the Lord. And he leaves a little food for thought. Lord, there is no other like you. All right, so there was our first two, two devotional series. We are at the top of the hour, and again, I'm going to tell you currently with the coronavirus going around, services have moved online, 
Sunday at 11 a.m. at 2319 South 6th Street, Arnton, Ohio. Uh, you can go to their impact-arnton.com. Uh, I attend this church, but I will be going on online today. Uh, they just give you a little something extra to show that God loves you. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, and I encourage you, if you're sick or infirm or something like that, go to their Facebook Live com subscribe so you can get their uh, live web TV all right so uh, as I said I come to you once a week either Friday or Saturdays to do our devotion I encourage you to join me um, these things are part of who I am and they will be um, as I said we've got two more devotional series maybe three going down. And in the next few weeks, I will be planning to put uh, Breathe up as a possible devotion. Uh, i got a lot of stuff that we can go through. I will make candid appearances occasionally, 15-minute excerpts, 15-minute whatever. And that will be what it will be. And I will be posting. So we are coming to the top of the hour. And as I said, I will be cutting it here lightly. Um, at 14 minutes past the hour, uh, or half hour, we're actually a half hour in, so I will be cutting you. As I said, I encourage you, if you need help, if you need things, you can contact me at starcross2013 at gmail.com. Email me. I encourage it. Any questions, any biblical related, or you just want somebody to talk to, you contact me there, and I will get you or you can get me at facebook um that facebook let me see give it a few minutes to upload because it takes some time you can contact me at facebook just look for kimberly Annapole on facebook takes a few minutes because i've got things going on here it shouldn't be going on where people PM me quite frequently. Go to my homepage where I have my ministry. Alrighty. Come on. Come on. Slowpoke Dragas here. So said you can contact me by Facebook. Um, we'll give you that information here. I also have Twitter, which I can give you Twitter. Um, but normally I like getting email. You can contact me at twitter.com, Annapole Kimberly. Um, Facebook is a little slow, so I'll give you that at the next top of the hour when we do our last two final Bible studies. Here we go. Um, let's see now here. Ugh. Lovely mouses. <laughs> All right, let's go into my account. All righty, we'll be a little bit past top the hour. You can contact me at facebook.com. Kim slash Kimberly dot Annapole dot 18. 
That would be the other place that you will find me. You can leave a message or text me or answer me a question. Unfortunately, I do not answer IMs. I do not give out phone numbers for people to call me directly because my cell phone is private. I use that for other business means, but you can contact me by email, my Facebook, or my, um, I also have an Instagram. Let's see, where's Instagram here? I don't think I've got Instagram up right now. But anyway, I'll, I will give you the Instagram account. I'll get that at the top of the hour. So I'm going to sign off here for another 10 minutes. I'm 17 minutes at the top of the hour. So I'm going to cut a little bit short here. All right. And I'll see you guys later. And God bless. Hello, 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 everybody. I'm back. We're getting ready to do our men's devotional for the evening. Um, and ladies can listen into this too. Um, I bring you into my little in camp. Um, so we are reading a wife with no voice. Ooh, interesting. So let's see what we have here. It says, one of the most helpless feelings in the world is hearing your wife say, I feel like I have no voice. Okay, gentlemen, have you ever heard us ladies say we have no voice? Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially after your, you've just explained a situation or decision to her for the third time, and you, you're sure you've listened to her input. I can't tell you how deeply it hurts to make the effort to give her an extra detail she always wants and then to have it thrown back in your face and criticized. Ladies, listen to your husband thoroughly before you give your criticisms. Um, We are to be understanding just as the male is supposed to be understanding. There are husbands. They are our mates. We must listen. Even though sometimes that is kind of hard. A few months ago, a friend, he says, made this statement to me. I feel like I should have carved it on a stone tablet. A wife who feels she has no voice is one whose husband has talked about the issue, but failed to connect with her feelings. Interesting. Misunderstanding. A while back, a friend and his wife were at each other's throats over a new car they needed. His wife explained why she wanted a minivan, why it fit her needs and her personality at that stage of life. Two small kids and a lot of activities. Mommy taxi! My friend found a deal on a huge, safe SUV and bought it without any real conversation with his wife. She couldn't get past it. Okay. But when he learned the principle, he went to her and let her unpack her feelings about both the car choice and about the lack of connection to her feelings. He He fell on his sword, and now they're on their same page again. Think about it. Husband, you go out and do something you're not supposed to do, and the woman wants something else, you listen. Ha ha. It's a powerful principle. Connect with her feelings first. 
then talk about the facts, you'll get a different reception. And the scripture for today is in 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Okay. Now, our next Bible study, which I'm kind of picking up on the Bible studies and doing about one or two a week, so you will know, of radical wisdom. Transparency versus vulnerability. Hmm. Think, what does that mean? More and more, I run into men who are willing to tell it all. Men, should you tell it all to everybody? Almost like a baggage of courage. Baggage of courage. They'll spill their guts out about their past. But their extramarital sagadigans, their divorces, their past lack of honesty, the expressive drinking, excessive drinking, and other screw-ups. God forgive me for all that is. That isn't his great, they say. He is great done great me wrong don't get me wrong but transparency carries with it a blood brother name of vulnerability much of our sins to use to use as an old old word is a symptom of a much more one monurious disease many of the men I've men- mentored struggle with vulnerability with looking away looking way back and way deep into the wounds that drive drive our ego. I've got to be successful and acceptable behavior, the id. One definition of vulnerability is the willingness to give and take meaningful feedback. Vulnerability says, I'm going to let a counselor, a mentor, or a trusted friend into my ugly stuff to help me interpret it accurately. When I can do that, I can accept God's grace and His forgiveness. I start to see myself the way God sees me. We have out of what we believe as we start to see ourselves as God sees us. It's easy for us to behave to behave that way. He wants us to. Transparency says, look inside my life. I'm not hiding anything. Vulnerability says, look inside my life with me. I want God to change me and make me more like Jesus. And here is a question he poses. Will you be vulnerable with trusting friends? With your heavenly heavenly father? Think about it. And that is our Bible study in a minute on radical wisdom. Now, ladies, I'm going to do one reading each from Jesus Calling. And Jesus always. Okay. Maybe two. We'll see. Okay. So this week is refreshing yourself. When you think about refreshing yourself, what does it mean? So let's go to Psalms 31, 19 and through 20 and I'll read it. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought with those who take refuge in you before the sons of man. You hide them in secret places of your presence from the conspiracy of man. You keep them secretly in the shelters from the strife of tongue. And then John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may be perfect in perfect peace and confidence. 
in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, and certainly undaunting. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So he's saying here he has conquered the devil and conquered the world. He says, refresh yourself in the peace of my presence. This peace can be your portion at all times and in all circumstances. Learn to hide in the secret secret of my presence. Even as you carry out your duties in the world, I am both with you and within you. I go before you to open up the way, and I always walk alongside you. There could never be another companion as devoted as I. Because I I am your constant companion, there should be a lightness to your step that is observable to others. Do not be weighted down with problems and unsolved issues, for I am your burden bearer. In the world you have trials and distress, but don't let them get you down. I have conquered the world and deprived it of the powers to harm you. In me, you may have confidence of peace. So, ladies, remember that. We'll go to our next one. I want you to learn a new habit. Okay. Learn a new habit. What do you think about that? All right. So, let's see. In Psalm verse the first verse in Psalms is 63.2. It says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Then in Isaiah 40, 11, 10 and 11, it says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arms rule with him. See, his rewards is with him and his recompense are a companion of him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them Close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And then we read in Psalms 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go with your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the, of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hands will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So let's see what it says. I want you to learn a new habit. Try this. I trust you, Jesus. Interesting. He wants us to trust him in response to whatever happens to you. If there is times thinking about who I am in all my power and glory, ponder also the depths and breadths of my love for you. This simple practice will help you see me in every situation, acknowledging my sovereign control over the universe. When you view everything from this perspective through the light of my universal presence, fear loses its grip on you. Adversary circumstances become growing opportunities when you affirm your trust in me, no matter what. You receive blessed graceful, gracefulness, graceful, relying them slowly, directly from my hands of grace. You continue to assertion of trust in me will strengthen our relationship and keep you close to me. So think about that. Think about trusting. We already read our book prior that falls back on Jesus' calling, trusting in him. 
now we are going to complete two readings in Jesus Always. Interesting. All right, let's go to Be Still and Know I Am God. So let's see what he says here. It says in Psalms 40:16, Be still and know I am Yahuwah or God. I will exalt among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then in John 7, 38, who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Psalms 19, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 103 says, know that the Lord is God, or Yahuwah is God. The Lord is Yahuwah. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So let's see what he says here. Be still and know, I am God. Christians are familiar with this command, but not so many take it seriously. Yet for those who do, blessings flow like streams of living water as they believe believers sits in stillness, focus on me and my word. Their perceptions of me expand and their troubles shrink in in importance. I want you to share in this blessed beloved. Take time. Take time with me. While you rest in my presence, I untangle your thoughts and help you view things more biblically. Remember, my word is a lamp to, to guide your feet and a light unto your path. Biblical thinking illuminates the path before you so you can find your way. It's crucial to know not only that I am God, but I made you and you are mine. You are a sheep of my pasture. Sheep have a very limited understanding of what their shepherd is doing for them, but they follow him anyway. Similarly, as my sheep, your job is to trust me and follow wherever I lead. All right, we'll read one more. So he says, find joy in me. So we will go to Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then we see in Psalm 66, 1 through 3, shout with joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praises glorious, says the, say to God. How awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemy cringe before you. And then in Psalms 143, 8, we read, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Finding joy in me, for I am your strength. It is vital to keep your joy alive, especially when you're in the, in the throngs of the adversity. Whenever you are struggling with difficulties, you need to guard your thoughts and spoken word carefully. If you focus too much on all these things that are wrong, you will become increasingly discouraged and your strength will be zapped. As soon as you realize what is happening, stop this hurtful process immediately. Turn to me. Ask me to help you with all your struggles. Take time to praise me 
speak or sing words of worship. Read scriptures that help you rejoice in me. Remember that your problems are temporary, but I am eternal. And so in your relationship with me, you will find joy in me. Delight in my unfailing love for you. Your strength will increase. This is the joy of the Lord, which you, which is yours for all time through eternity. So remember his words that his joy is our eternity. So uh, I will be making an announcement the last half. So there will be another recording um, next week. We might end up going over two sections instead of one, both key two and key three. So I'm going to lay that out a little differently. But I'm letting you all know, um, I have something at the end of our hour that I will be bringing forward that I will be presenting. Um, I think it will be enlightening and it might help us through these trialing times. So I'm going to cut off for my 10-minute break before I make my announcement. And I'll be right back.